Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's your host, John Scardina. I am so excited for this episode. A frequent flyer of this podcast, Patrick McGinn, one of my good friends, if not best friend, uh, but a big asterisk with my wife. She, I think she's just higher up on the, the totem pole there. But Patrick comes from, if you haven't watched this uh, podcast before, he comes from the Salvation Army, as you see on this nice logo on the shirt there. He is the director of emergency services for Northern California, which covers Nevada. He has so much experience, not only uh, in friendship, like I said, best friend, but his emergency management uh, resume is just extensive. He has been doing everything in emergency management from helping out at the tactical level with uh, with uh, survivors all the way up through the federal level. So he really has a, a firm understanding uh, I just want to say thank you again, Patrick, for making the time to come to the show and sharing your thoughts with us over the next week. Awesome. Yeah, John, it's uh, it's good to be back. Um, just realizing how enormous my forehead looks in this video. <laughs> but uh, besides that, I'm happy to be here. I was wondering if it was a fisheye lens, but unfortunately, <laughs> look at it. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Well, let's talk about big problems, big brain moment, because obviously you're you're all in with the big brain. Uh, <laughs> we we just uh, were talking last week about Hurricane Ian and made landfall. I was lucky enough to be interviewed on Tell Us How to Make a Better podcast with George Siegel. So if you're listening to this podcast, make sure you check that out. But as we walked through Hurricane Ian, he's asked, he was asking me several questions about emergency managers and I know you've responded also to so many hurricanes, also wildfires like myself. And so aptly named uh, Fire and Water, this podcast, how does, you know, especially from a response perspective at the federal level, what are the similarities and the differences between a hurricane and a wildfire response? Oh, geez. Well, uh, a big thing right off the bat is evacuations. Evacuations before the event hits um wildfire and hurricanes are similar in that way and that you know the general path that it's heading based off of usually like wind direction um in that we see the the tracks or the cone of uncertainty for hurricanes but for wildfires we generally i'm i'm consulting windy.com often to see in the next five seven days ahead where is the wind headed uh when what days is it going to be strongest what days can I anticipate evacuations happening on or, or more extended, expanded evacuations happening? So big time evacuations are very similar between the two of them. Uh, the warning ahead of time, mm. um, not all communities get that heads up for wildfire. Some of them, um, some of them, the, the wildfire starts and it's in such a remote area that uh, it's hard for fire crews to get there. And mm. so there absolutely could be damages um, and homes lost before any help can actually get there. But yeah, um, for fires that are traveling towards bigger cities, uh, like when we had Santa Rosa with Kincaid a couple of years mm -hmm. ago, uh, most recently we finished with the mosquito fire, but um, those allow people to, to get out. Now, another uh, thing that comes with evacuations is being away from your home and all the money that you need to have saved up so that you can spend it on uh, hotels or having food available or kind of thinking of those next steps. That's where individual preparedness really comes in handy. Um, but uh, you're going to be away from your home. You're going to be in a shelter. You may be without power. You may have a family. You got all these things to think about. John, have you ever, have you ever evacuated from 
uh, either a fire or a hurricane? I have never evacuated from a fire or a hurricane, luckily enough. However, I just, um, gosh, you and I both know several people in Fort Myers that, uh, man, they were all looking at Tampa thinking it's going to Tampa, but the cone of uncertainty is real. And, you know, last minute makes a shift, but it was too late. I had a friend who lives on an island, too late to evacuate, calls me, FaceTimes me, literally hours before the eye is hitting him saying, I can't get out. I'm now stuck. You fast forward, there was four water, four uh, feet of water in his home, never got out. And, um, you know, they, they sent a boat down to look for him, some friends, and uh, his son actually found him helping neighbors, but everything was gone. Um, and so, like, the, the reality is, like, um, sometimes we have these, I would say, false assumptions that the public has more lead time in hurricanes, but the reality is they don't. And uh, you have to be constantly apprised of where the large-scale disaster is in that evacuation process and listening to the evacuation warnings or you know, mandatory evacuations because it, it might shift. I think the closest thing I ever got to in dealing with a big disaster myself personally was just tornadoes and tornadoes you don't outrun you just take cover right you get like even if they have a siren system an early warning system it's usually not that much time you know i've heard of ones that are like 15 seconds other ones that are 10 minutes and as time goes on the technology seems to get better um but we're still just figuring it out real quick we're gonna pause for this week's disaster tough endorsements How do you spell Doberman Emergency Management? EOP, OEP, HVA, HMP, Thyra, TTX, Drone, PDA. Whenever you need an expert, Doberman Emergency Management field experts are there for support. Contact an expert at DobermanEMG.com today. The L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio solves problems and is specifically designed for emergency services. How do we know? We field tested it with medical, urban search and rescue and collapse and confined structures. This radio is amazingly tough. Check out the L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio at L3Harris.com right now. Sawyer products offer the best, most technologically advanced solution for protection against the sun, bugs, water, and injuries. Everything from water filtration systems to insect repellents, time-release technologies, really amazing stuff. So whether you're at home, work, or at play, make sure you check out Sawyer at Sawyer.com. Okay, let's jump back in. Yeah, the mass notification process is changing like like ipause has to deal with the complexity of like 5g what 5g can do and and phones that can handle that versus people who are still using the flip phone like the elderly who are you know like i will hold on to my same phone and so even though they have the ability to geo target so much better of like hey this is going to be hitting your area they're also still dealing with the problem set of I'm going to just ping the entire county. And when, when you're dealing with multiple counties or dealing with a small county, especially with tornadoes, man, what a problem that is because people get tired of getting the warning and then nothing happening. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's another thing that happens with wildfires and hurricanes and even tornadoes, really earth, wind and fire. Oh, that's the name of the episode. Earth, wind and fire. <laughs> uh, is that, like you're now dealing with, uh, you know, uh, the weather service who cried fatigue. wolf, or the emergency manager who who cried wolf. 
Um, that's, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of people, they, they say for Hurricane Katrina, that Hurricane Camille, the mindset that came with Hurricane Camille after that, that it was supposed to be huge and it wasn't huge. That's mm. what uh, kept a lot of people in New Orleans and surrounding areas during Hurricane Katrina. Um, and kind of the same thing true for Florida. Past yeah. hurricanes that didn't turn out to really be as bad uh, set the mind frame for people who were going into this disaster who thought, uh, you know, the last several years, the last 15 years, they weren't that bad here. So I'm going to stick around. And then it ended up being absolutely terrible. Um, and that's just a risk that people take when they move to those areas that it's an absorbed risk, risk that every couple of years, there's going to be a really bad one. And we're going to have to put our lives on halt on, yeah, on pause and, and leave every time. I, my wife just asked me the other day, if we move to an area that has hurricanes or any type of evacuation warnings often, um, mm -hmm. and there's a voluntary evacuation, are we going to go? And I just said, yeah, we're going to go. If it's a voluntary, we'll have to, I'll have to look at it and everything, but there were people during this hurricane, Hurricane Ian, and I'm sure even Hurricane Fiona, who were in the voluntary evacuation zone, and they got hit hard. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Fort Myers, everybody in Fort Myers didn't think they were going to get hit. People, I, I talked to a guy who, uh, he had a friend in the Keys on vacation, and instead of leaving, he was like, oh, it's going to hit Tampa, it's going to hit north of here, no problem. Well, they saw flooding too. It's like, you know, anytime, like, I, I just think that, you know, you're, you're at the Salvation Army and we're both Christian. And I just think the problem set of, oh, like, I'm, I'm so grateful this didn't hit me. So next time I'm not going to leave is so ridiculous. Instead of like counting yourself lucky and recognizing it is lucky, like it's inherent risk, right? George Siegel on his podcast said, I was going to stay in Tampa. My family stayed in Tampa. I'm a weather guy, and I thought this would be, you know, an experience to ride out. He said, we almost moved to Fort Myers. Fort Myers woke him up. He didn't even realize that, you know, he said this on his podcast. He said, I realized that I would have been 15 feet underwater. I would not have been able to have been fine. I, if there's any kind of threat in the future, I'm going to take my family and get them out of here. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's the mindset we want, right? We want the people who say, I was lucky. I know I was lucky. I don't want to test that luck again. Right. You so, also need the people who are thinking about more than just the, I'm going to be underwater. Or you know what? We're not going to be underwater. We don't live that close to the ocean. But the power outages mm -hmm. and like the, the, uh, the archaic era it takes us back to when there's no power and there's no internet and there's nowhere to charge your phone. And none of your appliances work and you gas station doesn't work. The gas stations aren't open um, and you can't go to the ATM anymore. Okay. Now we have no electricity. Now what are we doing up here? Mosquito fire. We just did the response. We're feeding at uh, all three shelters for two weeks. Mm -hmm. And during that two weeks, people were completely without power. Um, those who, even those who are outside of the immediate evacuation zone. So those who had power outages and then those who were evacuated and without power who came home to, I mean, we're talking like the mountains in Northern California. So there were about, you know, 10 out of 200 people who had bears who went into their home and tore up their refrigerator. Jeez. Some came home to bears in their house. Um, but that's a big thing that people don't consider is all the utility systems or power systems that go out when the power is out. You know, maybe your water and sewer um, 
utility companies also are attached to that power company and they're they also you won't have power wherever you are so um your your food is good for you know two or three days if you don't open up your fridge or, or your freezer so um this weekend abby and i my wife were looking at uh getting those like ready wise buckets from costco or from the ready oh, yeah. like with like 120 meals in them they're all dehydrated so you just add water um and it's worth it like 100 bucks for 120 meals um and you just store it until you need it and when the power goes out because here in california the power goes out a lot um then we we don't have to worry basically but i can't imagine using like money you never intended to use for that and now mm-hmm. you're just watching your bank account go down and all the stress of of evacuating and, and people are going through that right now with uh hurricane ian um as they're still there's still like five hundred thousand people without power but i did yeah. hear that they're getting the power on quicker than the cities and counties are getting it on quicker than they thought they would yeah so interesting to talk about power like the differences and the similarities of wildfire and hurricane like the obvious one is that power can cause wildfires power doesn't cause mm-hmm. hurricanes Hopefully yeah. not. <laughs> right. um, but the impacts are the same. I Kudos to the utility. I, I read a, a same, same report. I read a report from a utility company that decided to replace their wooden uh, poles with concrete and metal and to start mm. burying the burying the, the lines in um, in uh, Florida. And uh, like some places didn't even lose power because it was buried. It's like, oh, who knew? You know, like. Uh, the same thing with power in California, funny enough, with earthquakes, the shaking is actually higher on the surface level than it is lower. And so if they did bury it, it would be better. But like these mitigation mm. efforts, yeah, the whole thing, there's a whole thing from Elon Musk about bu- burying power lines. But So I, although I don't disagree with, with uh, burying power lines, um, being at the Ridgecrest earthquake, which was a 7.1, and then two days later, a six or 6.9, and two days later, a 7.1 mm. in Ridgecrest, California, near Bakersfield. Um, when the when those both happened, there were 13,000 aftershocks for the five days after that, and continued on. So mm. every day they got the power back on. Um, the every day the power pole shifted again, and lines you know fell down onto the street. Uh, yeah. Every day they they repaired a hundred different breaks in the water mains mm. and they had to go back every day and, and try to repair new breaks, which they didn't have enough people to do. Same thing with natural gas lines. Mm. Um, so maybe if you put the power lines on the, under, under, underground, it works for California um, until maybe there's an earthquake and other things cut the line due to the shaking, maybe jagged rocks or, you know, other that not, they wouldn't cut. Yeah, I wonder how, I wonder how they would do that because when you think of like gas, you, you know, I'm not an infrastructure expert, but that sounds like a lot of iron, you know, to surround that. But I think of it like, so the way that it was just described when I was reading it from Elon, right? Like, again, not an infrastructure expert, but looking like a tsunami, you'd rather be like way under the water than on top. All the shaking, all the waves, everything is on top of the water, but the lower you go, the, the shaking is less. And so there's there's ideas behind it but but nonetheless like kudos to the power company in florida for saying hey this this hurricanes are a threat to us mm-hmm. we need to to uh you know invest in long-term solutions here and i think we need to do that across the board and so 
like one of the big similarities between wildfires and hurricanes is that they're recurring. And so if they are recurring, then we need to look at, okay, these are not one-offs. These are happening literally every single year. You live in an environment where this is real and it will become more and more obvious as climate adaptation and people moving to areas where they're prone for disaster, you know, where that occurs. But that's all the similar stuff. Well, I would say there's one more similarity. I would yeah, say please. one more similarity is that the Salvation Army is responding both to fires and to hurricanes. Oh, look at that win. There it is. There yeah. it is. There's the Salvation, Salvation Army, Army is coming. in Florida for Hurricane Ian right now. They are deploying people from around the country. We have like 33 teams who are feeding uh, hot meals in Fort Myers, uh, in Tampa, in Port Charlotte, and many other areas. Mm. Uh, we've done like 37,000 meals so far. That's awesome. Yeah, they've got roving canteens. Uh, what we call our food trucks are called canteens. So we got them roving, going around areas that are isolated neighborhoods, people that can't make it to shelters, people that had to shelter in place. Um, we've done like 35,000 drinks and 12,000 snacks. And then we also do emotional and spiritual care as a Salvation Army. So we've had like over 1,700 uh, contacts with people so far that we've been able to talk with, talk, truly talk through their stress. Do the psychological first aid thing. And then if they want people to pray with them, our people would do that too. Psychological first aid. I love that term. Thank you for uh, using it. Yeah. The, uh, you know, Salvation Army, um, not a sponsor, but big fan. Um, I've Because of our interaction as friends, I've been able to see up close and personal uh, the the good in the world that Salvation Army does. Uh, you know, like w when I go, to, go out there for the active shooter training or what name you, um, there are really good people who have good hearts who are doing it for the right reason and uh, go out there and help. And so whether it's providing thousands of meals in Ian, I also know that, you know, Mosquito Fire was a really small incident and yet all in. And um, it, it shows that that level of compassion, whether it's a national headline like you know one of the worst hurricanes in u.s history in florida or it's a smaller incident but still incredibly incredibly impactful for the people who are impacted by that a wildfire especially with a smaller wildfire compared to some of the other ones you've been to mm -hmm. and yet that level of dedication so well you know uh, every every month or probably nearly every month john there's disasters that happen that displace people that destroy homes and destroy lives that fema does not help so there's period oh yes disasters all the time that are displacing people ruining people's lives they have to start from zero and build back up um mm -hmm. they're facing the worst day of their lives and they aren't getting fema money they aren't getting fema resources and it really comes down to your local nonprofits, your local nonprofits, your local churches your local businesses they're the ones who are going to be supporting you your community foundations philanthropic groups uh, those yeah. are going to be the people who are cutting up the debris in your yard, who are going to be um, yeah, just clearing the debris, helping you sift through your home that got completely burned or damaged. They're going to be distributing um, relief supplies to you, hygiene kits, um, hygiene kits, food, water, like they're doing in Puerto Rico right now. Um, and like they did in California a couple of weeks ago and, and like they're doing in Florida right now. So Salvation Army is responding to basically every incident that has uh not even casualties just people who are displaced from their home but their shelters open 
um, Salvation Army is going out to probably 99% of those that are happening, um, even when state and federal money or resources are not being provided. And it's beautiful. The, the reason we can do that is because of all the uh, all, all the American people, all the people of the world who donate to the Salvation Army. We got um, you know over $20,000 in donations for the Mosquito Fire, and we mm -hmm. distributed it to survivors. Um, I, I myself went out and helped distribute it, but we also have volunteers that can go out and, and do that as well. And it was, it was pretty cool, but we're only able to do that because of, um, the people who donate to us. Yeah. Yeah. Good call outs. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy to also endorse that on the show. Like again, big fan of Salvation Army and, and the things that, uh, you know, the leadership that you've been providing at Salvation Army as well as, and, and, and then the donations. And so like, if people are looking to, support from near or far i think looking at salvation is a definitely a, a fantastic option to look at um so yeah, if would... one of the one of oh, the similarities ahead. yeah please oh oh i was just gonna say uh we are an organization that really works with our entire community so i mean obviously i mean i would i would push also donate to southern baptist to mercy chefs to all the nonprofits or groups out there um that are also doing similar work to what we're doing i mean you, you don't it doesn't have to be just the salvation army we really are a a partner that's trying to make things better and mm -hmm. other organizations are, are pushing for the same thing if you decide to go with the salvation army um uh you got a lot of information here today if that if that pushes you that's great if it doesn't it's really not a problem but i would encourage you to invest and donate to your local nonprofits who responds when nobody else does. Yeah, that's the, that's the brutal reality. Like once the news goes away, uh, people forget like the, those people are still going through it. Mm -hmm. We were looking at, and um, this is not like an official endorsement or anything, but we were looking at Team Rubicon. Our, we have people in our organization who um, have a history there and we wanted to volunteer. And quite frankly, because of those contacts, everyone's like, hey, there's a flood of people coming in right now. Can you come in a month? And we said, absolutely. I will be there in a month uh, just to volunteer and to help continue to gut homes. And um, so there's lots of op opportunities to donate your time, to donate your money, to donate your whatever. Um, but really, it should all come from not a state of guilt, but a state of wanting to give and help out your community and to, to be all in. Uh, on that thought process. But I, I recognize we only have a few minutes left here and I really wanted to get to some of the big differences. One, or, well, actually, let me get to one last similarity before we get to the differences here. The last similarity here is that whether it's the Mosquito Fire or it's Hurricane Ian, on, on any time we have a big disaster, somehow people forget that it's a season and not a singular event. And so I would just implore all emergency managers who listen to this podcast to not think like, oh, I just did, I just got involved in my big response for the year, but like stay ready. And, you know, things can happen on a time. A wildfire could literally start tomorrow in California today. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, hurricanes, we got another two months of, you know, technically of hurricane season. And so while you're responding to that, please also still have great situational awareness behind uh, you know, the cascading impacts or, or even just new events that, that can arise. Like, don't get pigeonholed. So that's my last uh, similarity. If you're going to talk about the differences for just a couple of minutes, Patrick, 
you know, basically seeing it up close and personal, what are the biggest differences that emergency managers on the West Coast need to think about? Oh, oh, this is different for people on the Gulf and vice versa. How can they learn from each other? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, qu- well, first off, homes are gone in an instant uh, during fires. So although during the hurricane, you got water damage, you might wish your home was completely gone. Um, because you still can't live in it and it's uninhabitable, uh, which happens with smoke damage up here sometimes, but usually people go still and stay in the home. With fires, they're completely, homes are completely destroyed in a matter of minutes or seconds, um, depending on how quickly the, the wind is moving and, and how hot, how hot the fire is and how intense it is. Um, so at least maybe you still have your home in a hurricane. I know it's not very like sympathetic, but you still have your home um, and, and you don't have to worry about mold and, and there's so many just elemental differences, John, that, uh, but the, <laughs> the, the devastation is still the same. You know, there's still people yeah. displaced from their homes. There's still people whose assets have been completely destroyed, uh, whether they're still standing or not. And so you still have the same impact on the survivor, on the human person. Um, and that's why when we go out and we do disaster relief, no matter the disaster, um, our attention to human dignity is the same because mm-hmm. we just, we believe that everyone deserves at least uh, human dignity and at least to experience the love of other people. So that's kind of what we're going out to do. Um, but there's huge, huge impact differences. But I mean, we've, we've talked, actually, there's a lot of similarities too. So mm-hmm. um, what do you think, John? What do you think the major differences are talking speaking of that specifically after being in santa rosa i actually told my wife funny enough i said i think i'd rather go if i survive you know obviously no impact to the family i'd rather have my house burned down on a wildfire than a hurricane because when people were sifting through their belongings that emotional toll was catastrophic but immediate when i saw people you know uh literally rubbing off every single photo, every single heirloom, every single thing in their house with mud. I thought that emotional process takes so much longer because you're in there, you're desperately trying to save your, your things. Your mind literally can't process literally every single thing you lost. You'll have key things that you'll remember in a wildfire. It is catastrophe on two, totally two different spectrums, but the toll is the same, if that makes any sense. And so right, yeah. I, yeah, if you're looking at the totality of it, like a campfire situation, like a yeah. you know, like a almost looking at like a category one fire, you know, uh, a catastrophic fire versus a catastrophic hurricane, devastation on both ends. It's it's horrible to go through, um, and I wouldn't wish it upon anybody. At the same time, again, personally, um, I I recognize that the care types may be different you know like the not just like oh you're a survivor oh you've been impacted but oh like this is how it might be impacting you or this is how that might like the idea of loss versus uh cleaning it up and then throwing you having to throw it away yourself like there's just so many things there i think the biggest difference outside of the psychological differences of impact although the the level of impact being the same the differences of style of impact um 
you know, besides water and fire, uh, I would say that the biggest difference is that the people who live through hurricanes think they can live through hurricanes. And the fear level of wildfires is bigger. And it gets people to move a little bit faster. I wish people could recognize that they are catastrophic. Like, don't try to live through this. I don't know anybody who sees a wildfire coming at them and like, oh, I think I can handle this wildfire. But there's a lot of people who think they can live through a hurricane and we need to get beyond those mindsets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, there are some people who, uh, there's a lot of people who have farms or vineyards and see the fire coming and they're going to stay as long as they possibly can until the fire is burning in their property, in their yard, in their vineyards. To fight uh, it though, right? The whole idea that, is to save. Yeah, we've seen that happen. Uh, yeah. I saw that happen in Napa and St. Helena. You can actually, like, like you drive through Napa Valley and you can see where the fires came down to the vineyards and then kind of stopped at the at most of the vineyards. But you can, it, you can imagine how terrifying um, they may have felt. Oh yeah, absolutely. But but again, the mindset is like, I have to save. This is pending danger. I have to stop this danger from ruining everything. Versus, oh, I can ride this out. Um, right, like, right. Again, it's yeah. like almost like a psychological perspective. Of like, um, well, it's called optimism bias, right? Like that's hmm. there's a couple different biases that might be one of them. Um, that it's it's uh it's not going to be that bad. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to stay home. I, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to evacuate for the hurricane. It's not going to be that bad, but you know what, if it is that bad, um, uh, or if it does happen to me, it's not going to be that bad. Oh, I know. No, sorry. The first one is it's not going to happen to me. Mm. It's not going to happen to me at all, but if it does happen to me, it's not going to be that bad. And then thirdly, if it is that bad, there's nothing I could have done about it anyways. Um, so those are the people who stay behind in the hurricane. That's that kind of bias, but we kind of have that, that first step for wildfire as well. Uh, it's not going to happen to me. And then it's coming right for you. And you're like, I can't believe this is happening to me. Yeah. The, the shock factor. Uh, yeah. I, I have optimism bias, biasism, bias, biasism. <laughs> I have, optimism I'm optimistic. Bias. Yeah. I'm optimistic and biased towards yeah. uh, a good recording every week. Some weeks is better than others. This was definitely an excellent one. Patrick, thank you so much understand that you know between wildfire season and handling emergency services for the salvation army again great organization the fact that you're able to take your time and help emergency managers around the country for those who are in ian thinking about the wildfire season those who are dealing with wildfires thinking about those who are responding to hurricanes similarities differences things that we can learn from each other from a guy who's really done it all um, you know, you're always welcome on this podcast and, and thank you do you have, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, well i was just gonna say yeah yeah, I was just going to say my uh, my brain must be on fire because my hair's evacuating. <laughs> and on that note, we are so grateful for the splash of hilarity that that provided. Um, you really. Uh, I was going to make a joke about getting wet, but I'm not going to talk about that. Hey, uh, <laughs> yes, we are. Uh, you showered us with positive feedback and we are in waves of happiness i don't know where i'm going with this all right uh everybody if you like this episode if you liked patrick's joke which you should have 
Um, if you got something out of this, if you're if you're on one of the two ends of the spectrum, or if you're in the middle of the country and you watch these two big extremes and you think about tornadoes, how are they similar? How are they different? What can we learn from each other? Share it with us on social media, on any platform where you can find the Disaster Tough podcast. Make sure, as I always say, give us that five-star rating and subscribe, and we'll see you for the next one. <laughs>